Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Well, welcome to our last week in our series, Stranger Things. This is the last chapter, Supernatural Conversations. Before we jump into the teaching, I want to tell you where we're headed in the weeks ahead. Starting next week, we're going to start a little mini-series, kind of based on the back of the Stranger Things series. We're going to explore some teaching in Scripture that sounds strange to our modern ears, uh, and even maybe hard to believe. Next week, Pastor Jessica Collins is going to be talking about healing, physical healing. We're going to learn about that next week. In the following week, I'm going to talk about tongues and other strange spiritual happenings that you read about in Scripture. How do we understand it as modern people in 2021? And then we're going to pause in that series because we're going to have a Love Army and Global Focus Weekend. I'm really excited about this. We're going to challenge you. I'm going to put this out there right now. We're going to challenge everyone that's a part of One Church TO to consider making a one-time donation that weekend to help us with the mission in the city and world and country and world. And everything that comes in in that project is going to just go to help others in this world. I can't wait to be a part of that weekend. And then we're going to conclude that little mini-series before we head into the Christmas season and everything else too early? I know, a little too early with that. Uh, Pastor Keith Smith is going to be talking about demons and other strange spiritual encounters. Now that's to come. This week, we're talking about supernatural conversations. Now, every good conversation has two components. Every conversation has a listener and a talker. And if it's a good conversation, you play both those roles. At one point, you're the listener. At the other point, you're the talker. It goes back and forth. So let me ask you a question because it's going to kind of string through our our entire teaching today. Are you a good conversationalist? Are you a good conversationalist? It's not based on the volume of your words because uh, we know words make up a conversation, but we know it's more than just words. It's interesting. The Economist magazine said that in a study they did, grade one, and when you're one years old, uh, the average one-year-old knows about 50 words. They can recognize them and understand about 50 words. By the time they turn five, it goes up 100 times that. They know about 5,000 words that they recognize and they can pull on in their vocabulary. By the time you're 20 years old and some of you are in that category, you know about 40,000 words. And by the time you're, four, you're 60 years old, which is another 40 years, we kind of slow down in the learning after a while, is about 48,000 words. Now, the average person, according to a study done by the University of Arizona, and it varies depending on age and culture, but the average person uh, most often speaks about 16,000 words a day. A day. That's a lot of words. That's a lot of talking, right? That's a lot of talking that happens there. In fact, you know what's interesting in this study? They kind of debunked the old myth that women use more words in a day than men do. Uh, in fact, this study saw very little difference between them. It was only more the context in which women and men varied in the amount of words they use. In their personal life, women tended to use more words than men. 
In the professional life, men tended to dominate the conversation at work. And some of the women are saying, yeah, that's true. But most, we, were, we came in almost the exact same amount of words. We talk a lot. But that doesn't mean we're good conversationalists. Are you a good conversationalist? Because sometimes the volume of your words, you might be a great talker. Maybe you talk a lot. It doesn't mean you're really good at conversations. Or you might be a quieter personality and you don't talk a lot. That doesn't necessarily make you a good listener. Words uh, are, tend to be our default action though as humans. I think God knew this. Because the apostle J James writes, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, he writes this, lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue. I think all those words that we have at our disposal tends to fall out of our mouth, sometimes unchecked, unedited at times. But he said, lead with your ears. Posture yourself to listen and then talk. And so maybe, maybe that's just kind of the human condition and the way we operate. But a good listener is different than just somebody who's quiet. A good listener is someone who understands that listening is not hearing to respond. Listen, I'm not a great listener. In fact, sometimes when people are talking, I am thinking about when's my moment to talk because I, I think I'm more of a chatterbox than a listen box. But a good listener is someone who understands that listening is not hearing to respond. It's hearing to understand. So when we're in a conversation, whether it's with God, as we'll talk about tonight, or with others, being a good listener means we're listening to understand. And being a good talker is just not talking at someone. In fact, a good talker is someone who understands that talking is not speaking to or at someone. It's speaking to connect with someone. It's so a really good conversation creates a deeper connection and deeper understanding. So I hope you're a good conversationalist, but many of us, uh, we haven't explored that area of what it means to be in a supernatural conversation the fact is, when you read scripture, you realize that, that God is a great talker. He spe he's always speaking. You'll see that tonight. And he's an even better listener, I think. He's an incredible listener. But also in that conversation, we talk to God. And I think that's what we most often, if you're a follower of Jesus, you maybe get more accustomed to talking to God and you come to him with requests or other things but we kind of find it hard to listen to God or maybe even hear his voice. Well, we want to explore this kind of lost skill or sadly not learned skill by many Christians to have a supernatural conversation. Now, Jesus says a lot in his word about having a conversation. He says this in John 10 verse 27. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He's saying this, that if you're hearing the voice of God proves that you are a child of God. It's one of the marks that we know God. We can hear his voice. Now, before you kind of get hard on yourself and say, well, I'm not one of those people that hears from God, maybe by the end of this message, you'll realize that maybe you are. He also said in John chapter 8, verse 47, he said, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. So he's saying people who don't belong to God won't listen to God. See, we're going to help you discover how you can hear God speak. How can you hear God speak? Now, I want to encourage you to take some notes uh, tonight because I think it, this is a uh, kind of a, a scripture-rich teaching, and I, I encourage you to take some of these scriptures down in these notes so that you can go back to them later this week. But how do we learn, how do we hear God speak? Well, number one, 
We hear God speak through scripture. I think being a pastor, maybe you knew I'd go there first, but we hear God speak through scripture. This is the clearest voice, the clearest voice of God available to us. It's in scripture. In scripture, we see God's point of view. We see his perspective on things. It's scripture that helps us to see how God thinks. Uh, it's scripture that helps us to see uh, what, what, uh, how we should look at God's word. It shows us how to live our life. See, there are commands in scripture. There are God's point of view. There's commands in scripture that tells us what to do, maybe what not to do. You know, the scripture contains God's promises, things he promises he will do. Scripture also contains principles. Maybe there's parts of you're going through something and you don't, can't find an exact verse for it, but God gives you principles to navigate whatever comes at you in life. Here's a beautiful scripture that I think many of you've been around church any length of time, you may have read this. The Apostle Paul writes to his protege, Timothy, and he says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, and to make us realize what is wrong. So all scripture is inspired by God, and it's to teach us what is true and what is wrong in our lives. It corrects ah, ouch, us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. There's a real purpose here in scripture that I want you to see tonight, and we'll get to in a moment. But the Apostle Peter also writes something similar in 2 Peter chapter, two, uh, chapter 1, verses 20 to 21. He said, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human in, in, uh, initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Now, notice, Scripture makes pretty audacious claims about itself. It says that it's written by God. It says that it's God-inspired. It says that it is the Word of God. That somehow the Holy Spirit has written Scripture. Now, that doesn't mean that the Apostle John and the prophet Isaiah fell into some sort of trance and God moved their hands. The Bible wasn't dictated from God. But in the Bible is everything God wanted us to know. Let me illustrate what I mean here. Uh, if you're a musician... If you play multiple instruments, you'll recognize that uh, you could play the same song, on the, one on the piano and one on the ukulele, and they're going to sound very different because the song, even though you're playing the same notes, will take on the personality of the instrument. For example, let me give you an example. This is a, a rock band from Australia, and if you've ever played Guitar Hero, you've probably played this. Do you know that song? You played Guitar Hero, you probably heard this from that Australian classic rock band. Now, here's that very same song, but played on a very different instrument, a koto from Japan, a folk instrument from Japan. The very same notes, the very same song. Slightly different sound. Some of you are kind of getting soothed in this moment. Sounds like spa music, doesn't it, kind of? See, you can have the same song, the same notes, and a very different sound coming out because the song takes on the personality of the instrument. 
Now, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and, and this is a Pentecostal church, and sometimes I felt like I didn't belong because I would hear people be used by the Spirit, and sometimes they'd be loud and emphatic, and I just thought, that is so not me. But what I was doing is I was confusing personality of the instrument with the, with the practice of being used by the Spirit. And I was missing out on something because I thought I had to become something that I wasn't. And that's not so. God speaks through us in a way that sounds like us. Isn't that good news? God speak to, speaks to us in a way that sounds like that, us. That's the same in Scripture. God uses different instruments to, to pen his word. He used the instrument of the Apostle John. And the Apostle John, is some of his writings are the most beloved writings because they're very accessible, very easy to understand. Uh, they're very generous in language, very loving tone even to it. In fact, uh, the Gospel of John and the writings of John are some of the first passages when you're learning Greek, when you're in seminary or Bible college. Often they'll get you to translate his work first because he's kind of the Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water type writer. It's very simple. It's very easy vocabulary. So when you're learning Greek, it's an easy one to grab hold of. The Apostle Paul, on the other hand, is quite confusing at times and complicated. Every manuscript in Scripture, everyone in the Bible is written to someone, but its application is for everyone. See, in Scripture, has real letters to real people. In the older parts of the Bible, you'll see all kinds of writings. You'll read books like First and Second Kings that are historical books, and they chronicle the events and happenings to a people, to the people of Israel, the children of God at that time. But as we just read in Second Timothy, that was a letter written to a real person, a real letter written to a real person. So the best way to understand when you're reading scripture, when you're trying to hear the voice of God in scripture, is to realize that you're reading over someone's shoulder at a letter that was written to them. So in other words, the Bible was written for you, but it wasn't written to you. See, why is that important? Because otherwise, you'll take it out of context. Some Christians make a lot of mistakes here. They read, and they're looking for the voice of God in Scripture, and everywhere they read you, they think it means them, when really it meant whoever it was addressed to. But it is, not, it is written for us, though, because out of it, we get to see how God relates to his people. We discover in Scripture who God is, who Jesus is in Scripture. See, when you're trying to hear the voice of God in Scripture, remember this, worry Worry about the clear stuff, not the obscure stuff. Worry about the clear stuff, not the obscure stuff in Scripture. The fact is, the Bible, there are some strange things in the Bible. There's some hard to understand things in the Bible. Uh, if you read the Bible and you're looking to hear God's voice in it and you're reading portions of it and you're just going like, I don't understand or I don't get that or I don't know what I think of that, you're in good company. The Apostle Peter, actually, in 2 Peter, he kind of reflects on that. He said this. He said this in chapter 3, verses 15 to 16. He said, and remember our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. And he's talking about the fact that God doesn't kind of pour out his wrath and the evil in this world because he's holding it back to give people time. Have you ever wondered why, why doesn't a loving God take care of this matter? Well, he's holding back his wrath to give people time to change. To repent is the word that is often used in the Bible, but it means change. 
This is what our beloved Paul, he's talking about the Apostle Paul here, also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him, speaking of these things in all of his letters. Look at what he says. Some of his comments are hard to understand. This is the Apostle Peter saying, listen, some of Paul's writings, it's hard to understand. And he goes on to say, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do other parts of the scripture. And this will result in their destruction. What's he talking about here? He's saying there's a pattern in some people that they focus on the obscure so they don't have to follow what is clear. They focus on the obscure, the difficult, and the mysterious parts of the Bible that maybe is unclear because it gives them an clause to what is clear in the Bible. See, the purpose of Scripture is laid out in 2 Timothy there. The purpose of Scripture is not to make you theologically smart. That's not what the goal is here. It's not to fill your brain with all kinds of theologically obscure ideas or anything. The purpose of Scripture is for correction. It is for instruction and righteousness. It's it's to change how we live. It's to shape how we live in this life. That's the purpose of Scripture, to shape how we live. This is what it says in the book of Titus, chapter 3, verse 8. It says this, This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God, that's anyone who's a follower of Jesus, will devote themselves to doing good. That's the goal. The goal is, having spent time in, in the Bible, you come out the other end more apt, equipped, and ready to do good in this world. Now, you might read that and you might say, how boring is that? I want to go deep. I want to be deeper. I want to hear something new, something I've never heard before in Scripture. Bring something, a great revelation to me that's deep and new. But the goal of this church is not to create the, the most biblically astute people in the, in, the, in the GTA area. Although I hope you grow de- deeper in God's word and you're equipped by it. But the goal is that you and I would live the type of life that God called us to live so that more good would seep out of us. And in turn, we would impact this city for good. He goes on to say in verse nine of this same passage, he says, do not get involved in foolish discussions about scripture. What? You mean about spiritual pedigrees or quarrels and fights about obedience to the Jewish laws. These are useless and they are a waste of time. See, they're focusing on what is clear as opposed to what is obscure is one of the ways that we kind of tune out the noise and we hear the voice of God. See, God is always speaking to us through scripture, how to live. How should we live our lives? Who is God? Who is Jesus? And as we understand who God is, know God, and who Jesus is, we'll love people differently and it'll ultimately impact the way we live our lives together. So the first and clearest voice of God is through the lens of Scripture. The second voice that we have is the Holy Spirit. And this is where it gets, you know, even more interesting. Uh, Obviously, as we talk about Scripture, that requires some skill. That requires some training. That requires some equipping. But we can hear God's voice clearly in Scripture. But it's his spirit is always speaking to us. And the spirit is, provides spiritual insight and understanding to us. We can hear God's voice through the spirit. 
The word I'd love to leave with you when I, when I talk about the work of the Spirit and hearing God's voice and hearing the Holy Spirit is a word we kind of touched on last week, the word guidance, guidance. While Scripture tells me how to live and it shows me principles to live by and it reveals who God is, the Holy Spirit provides guidance. The source of all spiritual insights and understandings come from the Holy Spirit. When I was much younger and I was planting a church in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia with my, my wife, Shelley, we were, the first person who came to faith in Jesus there was a guy named Trevor. He was a little older than us, but you know, uh, you know, a younger adult like we were at that time. And I remember he was always just ahead of us. He was always ahead of us. We had a plan on how, okay, just decided to follow Jesus. So we're going to teach him slowly and give him things. But he was always jumping ahead. What was interesting is the Holy Spirit was guiding him, illuminating scripture, giving him understanding. I remember the day he's sitting on the couch and he was always wide-eyed when he was studying God's word. It was just really just coming alive to him. It was feeding his soul. And he asked me about giving. I was like, giving? And he said, yeah, well, just, I just thought, you know, God has given me so much. Shouldn't I practice a life of giving? Shouldn't, shouldn't that be part of what I do? And I was shocked. The Holy Spirit had been guiding him, coaching him, pastoring him, uh, equipping him to understand God's word and understand God's ways. See, the Holy Spirit begins to shape our appetites, begins to shape and he guides us to let go of things and to take hold of things. The Holy Spirit does it a unique way, so different than many other ways we try to change in life. The Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out. In fact, when I surrender my life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit invades me, <laughs> fills me with his presence, and he begins to transform me from the inside out. Now, some of you might say, listen, I prayed to follow Jesus and I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel anything and nothing changed in me. Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't come from the outside and whisper things to us. The Holy Spirit is inside of us and whispers things to us. And it's very different than religion. And I'm always concerned that those who gather around even church moments or spiritual moments like this is they kind of grab hold of religion because it gives them something to do. It makes them feel like they're earning their way into God's goods books. But this is clearly not the way to transformation. In fact, religion tries to change you from the outside in. It's always working from the outside in. Behavior modification <laughs> through discipline, self-discipline or others' discipline. But the Holy Spirit changes you from the inside out. And he begins to change the way you think, begins to change the things that you love. See, the Holy Spirit inside of us is the same spirit that was inside of our Savior Jesus. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to live the life that God wants for us. And he actually gives us a desire for that life. Here's what it says in Philippians 2 verse 3. This is a really important verse. This is pretty cool. For God is working in you. Did you know that? If you're a follower of Jesus right now, God is working in you. You might not feel it. You might not know it. You might not see it. But he's at work in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is so cool, friends. He's giving you the desire and the power to please him. Some of us are so afraid to surrender our lives to God. We're afraid to surrender our dreams, our ambitions, our resources. Uh, we're afraid to uh, surrender our relationships because we think, we think if we give that to God, what, what he's going to do is he's going to call us to do the very thing we don't want to do. You ever been caught up in that narrative? 
You think that if you give this to God, that somehow he's going to take all the fun, all the sparkle, all the dreams of life. He's going to make you do what you exactly don't want to do. In fact, he's in the process of making you a nun or a monk. And sometimes we get caught up in that ideology. And that's what gives us reservation to fully giving God leadership of every area of our life. See, I think in other words, whatever we don't want, we think that's what God will want. But that's not true. God not only gives you the power to do what pleases him, he gives you the desire to do what pleases him. This means you want to do what he wants you to do. Now, this is really important uh, because sometimes people come to you and they'll say things like this, I've got a word for you. And, and be careful of that because God often, in most of the times in scripture, it's not words for each other, it's God giving his word to us. And it's very interesting when God speaks to you individually. And we'll, we'll tell you a little bit in a moment how he speaks to you. But you know, when somebody kind of gives you, this is what you should do with your life. Uh, and it could be a parent. It could be a, a, a godly person you know. It could be a friend. When, when they tell you God wants you to do something that is not according to how God has shaped you. And what do I mean by shaped? And we do this thing in our membership class here at One Church CO, and we, every member goes through what we call shape. And it's just a way to discover the way God has actually wired you. And it's around your spiritual gifts, what, your heart, the things that move your heart, your abilities, those, those skills that you've learned in this life, your personality, certainly, and your experiences. If somebody's asking you or pushing you in a direction that you're not shaped for, you can know that that's not God. That is not from God. In fact, you know, you've probably heard this, that God not only speaks your personality, he leads you according to your shape. And, you know, you've heard that old phrasing, you can, do, you can do anything you want to do. And that's so not true. You can do anything God has shaped you to do. That's what you can do. Anything that God has shaped you to do, you can do. I've watched many people through the years try to follow God into ministry, to be a pastor even, or a different career path, and they weren't shaped for it. And they find themselves not only frustrated, they find their forward progress inhibited. One of the greatest keys to contentment is to find contentment in the way God has shaped us. Stop trying to be somebody else. Stop trying to live somebody else's dream for your life, but live according to the Spirit and how God has shaped you. The whole, the, and the Holy Spirit primarily guides us through uh, pro thought processes, through our thoughts. So you'll hear people often, when you hear people say, I heard from God. And if, you've been, if you're new to church and you've heard people say, well, God told me, or I heard from God, you can kind of feel like, like, I don't belong here because I don't, like God didn't wake me up today like, hey, Jonathan. They don't often, because it's very, very rare in the Bible, it's very incredibly rare in this world that God actually speaks to you audibly. That's kind of like a miracle moment. What they mean is they feel and they think. There's a thought and a feeling, an impression they have that God is leading them or directing them. How do they do that? Well, sometimes they're reading God's word. And a scripture, maybe they've read many times before, just kind of jumps at them and they kind of know that the Holy Spirit has kind of bolded it. It's kind of lifted. It almost feels like it's coming off the text. And you know, this is for you today. <laughs> this is something God is speaking to you through this. They're being led by those thoughts or those feelings. 
It's kind of, it's called in the Bible, having the mind of Christ. So there's a great passage in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verses 10 to 16. And I put this down just for you to reference this. It'd be a great thing for you to read later this week, especially as you're trying to hear God's voice and sense the leading of the Holy Spirit. But let me read a little portion of this passage here. Paul writes this. He said, the Spirit, not content to uh, flirt around the surface, dives into the depths of God and brings out what God has planned all along. Whoever knows, what you're th- whoever knows what you're thinking and planning except for yourself, the same with God, except that he only knows what he's thinking. But, but he lets us in on it. In other words, God's not trying to hide his will for your life. He's not trying to hide his voice from your life. He lets you in on it. We don't have to rely on the world's guesses and opinions. We didn't learn this by reading books or going to school. We learned it from God who taught us person to person through Jesus' spirit. So Jesus guides us. His spirit guides us. So friends, the more I'm in scripture, the more I'm around people who are followers of Jesus, the more I hear God's voice. It gives opportunity for the Holy Spirit to illuminate a conversation with someone where we'll go next or, or, or maybe, maybe it's a scripture that the more I'm in it, the more you're going to hear God's voice actually speak to you. And the reverse is true. The less I read God's word, the less I'm around people who are following Jesus, the, the more hardened I can become to God's voice, the less sensitive I am to the Holy Spirit. I like to think of it this way. Uh, you ever get calluses? Uh, like I used to do a lot of running and I get these calluses on my feet and you, you know, it, it, it dulls your sensitivity. You don't feel things the same way. And so it is with the Spirit's voice. We want to remain sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We need to be in scripture and we need to be around people who follow Jesus. So the first way that we can hear God speak is through his word, and that's the clearest way we can hear him speak. The second way is through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit illuminates, he, he brings us un, into understanding, helps us understand God's will and ways for our life. We can hear the Spirit speak through our thoughts and our feelings. And then the third way is through wise counsel. This is community, which provides spiritual support and accountability for all of us. So there's something about together that we need to understand when we talk about wise counsel. The body of Christ, it's called, meaning the church. It's the fellowship of those who are in Christ, which is really important. I hope you have friends that come from all different swatches in life, but you, you need a core group. You need a group of people who follow Jesus because together we discover things that will never be revealed to us alone. Together. Sometimes we find ourselves missing things because of sin in our own life. Every one of us falls short of God's standard. Every one of us are imperfect people. Sometimes it's because we've lacked time to actually read God's word or we haven't been able to take the time or maybe we lack understanding. But the interesting thing happens when we come together we begin to hear the voice, in a, the voice of God in a way that maybe we previously had not heard. You see, this is why community groups are so important at this church. Because we know that in gathering, we give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak through others to us. See, it's when we are with others that together we can put it all together. It's in those moments. Spiritual isolation is really an indication of either arrogance 
or brokenness or both. Spiritual isolation, you were never made for it. I was never made for it. I, I can't be accountable. And it sounds so spiritual when so, someone says, well, I got the Bible, I got God's spirit, and me. But, but the scripture's pretty clear. You need all three. It's not just the scripture. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit and his voice speaking to you, and he speaks through others often. Here's what's true. You cannot grow as a follower of Jesus without the followers of Jesus. You can't grow as a follower of Jesus without the followers of Jesus. See, this is most evident in those moments where I'll call them valley moments, tough moments in our life. It's most evident in those moments that we need the community and we need people around us in those moments. See, sometimes, and I hope you never buy into this version of North American Christianity that thinks that God only leads you to mountaintops because that's just not true. That's just not true. But I know that none of us uh, look for valley moments. But if you are honest with yourself, if you've been following Jesus for any length of time and you looked over your shoulder, if you're honest with yourself, you'd know that the valley moments were some of the biggest growth moments. See, we are refined by fire, not by a lazy boy chair, (laughs) not by the comfort, but even the tough time that really helps us to discern God's pro- test God's promises. It's also in those valley moments that we can maybe most acutely hear God's voice in those moments. Jesus, when he was entering into ministry, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says this. He says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, some of you have heard that before. And then maybe that's not the answer you're looking for when you're praying for God's will, that you'd be uh, led into a valley experience. But a valley doesn't mean a wrong turn. A valley doesn't mean a wrong turn at all. Remember God's promises. There are lessons to be gleaned in valley experiences. There's a really neat verse in the book of Hebrews 5 verse 8. And I've often pondered over this, and I feel like I had a little bit of a eureka moment around this verse. It says this, Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the times he suffered from the things he suffered. What do you mean Jesus learned obedience? He's a sinless son of God. My friends, until you're asked to do something you don't want to do, it's only when you're asked to do something you don't want to do, you haven't learned obedience until you've entered in that moment. If, if, If I've asked you to do something you want to do, that's not obedience. You're just living your life the way you want to do. It's when someone, and this is why, listen, everyone needs to be accountable in this world. I have an accountable structure. I need to have an accountable structure. Everyone needs an accountable structure. We all need it. You know, I, 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 Pastor Bill Morrow, he's on our staff team. He said this to me this last week. He said, uh, anyone not under, under authority should never be an authority. Because it's only in those moments when somebody asks us to do something we don't want to do that we're truly testing whether or not we are going to be obedient. And those valley moments gives us great opportunities to find out whether or not I'm willing to obey. That's why we can't run from valleys or hard times. They're very clarifying moments in our life. That's where obedience grows. But if you're in a valley or a hard time, you need wise counsel. Here's what happens often in the valley moments. In the valley moments, we can go to scripture to hear God's voice God's promises, and I'm going to give you something before we go tonight. 
Uh, we, can, we can certainly do that in a valley moment. But in the valley moments, sometimes it's really hard to hear the voice of God. All because our pain or, or, or all our circumstances are shouting at us. We need the community of others around us who lend their strength and help us to remind us of the voice of God that sees us through those moments. That's why I think we need everybody. If you, we need the diversity of cultures in this church because they see the world maybe a little bit differently. That's such a gift to a community. But I'll say this to you. If you're a younger person watching, you need older people in your life. You need people who've been through storms and they're still raising a hallelujah. They've been through the valley moments. They'll come alongside you in those moments and they'll remind you, you can get through it. And when they say it, you know you can believe it because they've been through it. Now, if you're older tonight, you need younger friends in your life. You need younger followers of Jesus who, who have not become jaded, who are not holding on to methods, but they're wide open and they're excited about the challenges in front of them. There's an energy that they lend to you in those moments when you're walking through maybe some of the twilight years of your life and you feel an extra step. They, they're the ones who want to make you dance in life. We need that in our lives. We need each other, and God speaks to each of us through each other. So I asked this question earlier. Are you a good conversationalist? You know, uh, God is. God's always talking to you. God is always speaking. I'm not always a great listener. Chances are you're not always a great listener too. But God is always talking and he speaks through his word. That's the clearest way he speaks to us. And then he speaks to us by his spirit. And that's the most powerful and amazing way because it's so personally applied to us. But he also speaks to us through wise counsel of the people around to us. God is always speaking. Here's some good news to you though. God is the best listener I've ever experienced in my life and you ever will. Have you ever just gone for a walk and just poured out your heart, just God and you? God listens to you. And in those moments, you sense his presence as unfiltered and honest and God can handle your level of honesty. And always remember, God speaks your personality. God wants to speak to you and is speaking to you. And then God uses a community to speak with you also. So to be a good talker, you, you, we need to become better talkers to God. So right now, uh, there's a little link, and I'm going to ask you to go and follow that link because uh, Pastor Austin and Dennis and myself have kind of curated some scriptures for all the valley moments you can, you can face in life. And if you go there and just download that little document, what it's going to give you is for when you hit valley moments in your life, it's going to give you some scriptures, some of the voice of God to speak into that moment, and it's going to give you words to even pray into that moment. You may not need it right now, but, but we're all going to need that moment. And if you want to become a better talker, make sure you jump into God's word so you can align your words with his word. And then if you want to be a better listener, I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a minute. You know, it comes from reading God's word. I really encourage you. It's not the volume you read every day. It is truly about frequency. It's understanding God's word is so important. So I'd encourage you, get a Bible app on your phone. Grab a physical copy of the Bible. It's not about how much you read, but just listen for God's voice in his word. And I encourage you to do something daily because it'll help build you up and it'll help you to hear his voice more clearly. And then I'm gonna lead you in this prayer to be sensitive to his Holy Spirit. And then recognize you need community. 
Every one of us does. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful, God, that while we were lost and while we couldn't hear you at all, you sent your son, Jesus, to find us. And God, as we place our trust in Jesus, you fill us with his spirit. So right now, I know that you're speaking to everyone who's listening right now. And I pray, God, wherever they may be with you or even geographically, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you speak to them? Would you remind them that you love them and you cherish them and that you do indeed have a plan for their life? And God, I pray, Jesus, that they would hear your voice more clearly. Give us all a love for your word, for scripture. Help us to read it, God, and recognize that there are even writers in scriptures that we take to more than others because of personality. But God, may we read even beyond the personality just to see who you are. Reveal yourself to us in scripture so that we would know your voice like good sheep do. And God, we pray, I pray for everyone listening tonight that we would be more sensitive to your spirit. God, if there's any sin that has built up calluses in our life, and this is a chance for you to just pray, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of anything I've done, anything I've done to others, anything I've done that, that has put a barrier between you and me. Forgive me. Soften my heart so that I can feel and know that God's spirit is inside of me. And God, we pray that you would lead us, your spirit would lead us, impressing your way so that we would be empowered to do what pleases you and we would have a desire to do what pleases you. And the Holy Spirit, guide us towards people of like faith. God, we want to have all kinds of friends in this life. People that don't follow you, people from all over the map, but we want some people in our life that will not only hold us accountable, but they'll help carry us through those tough moments. So God, we ask that your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven and on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time. Thank you.